When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back. Another episode of Simply Amazing. Our buddy Matthew Brownstein, senior writer at Mexmerize, is back with us. We are just days away from opening day. It's, uh, it's getting exciting. Matt, what's happening, buddy? Tim, always a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man, getting that itch. It's, it's almost, almost here. It's a few days away, and uh, I can't wait for some real-life uh, Mets baseball to begin. It started to feel very real this weekend with the amount of drama. That's for sure. <laughs> and what's, you know, and what's a, a baseball season without some Mets drama? Oh, exactly. I mean, we're, uh, what's, what's the phrase? We heard it a bunch last year. Adverse, adversity veterans. That's us, man. We've, <laughs> we've, been, yep. we've been training for however long our individual fandoms have been for this point where everything, the stars are finally all aligning. You know, we've seen things go to shit every year for how many years? Um, we have to be prepared for a little bit of rain. That's okay. Absolutely. And, and that and also I feel like a lot of Mets fans have um, become almost like uh, home doctors, you know, with the amount of WebMD searches that I do. And I'm sure a lot of people do. Everybody's looking up, you know, right scapulas and, uh, you know, hamstring tightnesses and, and all this other stuff. It's uh, you know terms that you've never even heard of before. And uh, yeah, it's given me a, a little bit of an education for sure with the uh, the the, you know, the wherewithals of all the Mets, uh, you know, injury, unfortunate, you know, unfortunate injury uh, happenstances. But, uh, you know, hey, all good. We'll go in it with the everyone's a fresh start, you know. So let's you know, we got to hope for the best. And, uh, you know, you got to work through adversity like you talked about. So <laughs> Twitter, uh, Twitter doctors are nothing new. I think that uh, I think it's become a practice of its own now. Right. You know, you might be able to get a, a degree in that potentially. Yeah, <gasps> for sure. So there's some, some kind of certificate on the online. Right. It's a TD, I, I believe. <laughs> that's right <laughs> twitter doctorate absolutely it's a sign of the times you gotta put yeah. on your resume why not <laughs> fluff it up um yeah the weekend started off a little funky um you know thursday jacob Degrom, we heard he was uh scratched because of shoulder soreness friday got the news that it was a uh a right scapula which is your uh your shoulder blade it was a stress reaction there and then you know I guess it's caught everyone by surprise. Jake, Jake included. He spoke to the media on Sunday. It's uh, he's out indefinitely. I guess he's shut down for at a, I guess at the most four weeks, then they'll, they'll read, they'll re-image then reassess. But it's a, uh, it's a blow, you know, everything, like we said a little while ago, the stars had kind of aligned and, and this was a, uh, this was a blow, but you know, at uh, <laughs> you have to consider that, you know, bringing Max Scherzer on probably looks like a better idea than, than ever right now. And, you know, as far as the rest of the rotation, the Mets are kind of set for this. I mean, there's going to be kind of unexpected depth roles being filled with that five hole. But, you know, Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker, you know, this is the, the meat and potatoes that was assembled just in case something like this happened. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think the Mets right now have some decent depth, um, like you alluded to. Um, obviously, you know, you have Tyler McGill, David Peterson, and um, 
um, Trevor Williams, you know, potentially able to uh, eat some innings and, 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 you know, make some, make some starts here. And, and of course, you know, there's no replacing Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher in the game. And, uh, you know, looking at similar uh, pitchers that had similar, um, that had a similar injury, Michael Walker and Matt Harvey both had this. And of course, Harvey had it after um, the, the TOC, um, but both were out for about two and a half months. So, I mean, realistically, we could probably speculate that DeGrom is probably out, I would say, until around June, you know, especially if he's not going to be throwing for at least four weeks before he, you know, goes back in the, in the tube again. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be a little mixing and matching, but I think the Mets are, you know, pretty well aligned to kind of, you know, work through this. And especially if you can get, you know, a, a decent season at a Carrasco, I think he's going to be a big piece if, if he's, you know, if he can give you five or six innings, quality innings um, each time out. And, uh, you know, we hope that we get the Taiwan Walker of the first half, right. Of, of 2021. Um, and, you know, obviously I think you have to take into account that, I mean, th- those are the most innings he's pitched in, you know, several years. So, I mean, I think there was going to be, you know, some regression to the mean and, and some drop off uh, in his second half. I don't think that was so, you know, out of left field, you know, for him. Yeah. So if you can get a little bit of consistency at a Walker, uh, at a Carrasco um, to go along with Bassett, who himself is a top of the rotation arm, yeah. uh, I think the Mets, you know, can ride this through. And again, you know, th- there's no, you know, it, it's it's never going to be easy to not have the Grom. Never for you know any amount of starts. You want him penciled in for 32, 30, 33 starts a year. And obviously we were all, you know, salivating at the fact that Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom could make combined 60 plus starts this year and how amazing that would be. And of course, you know, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, injuries, you know, injuries arise. And that's why they're always talking about how it's you can never have enough starting pitching depth. And I think the Mets and Billy Epler did a pretty good job this year of, you know, assembling quality depth and having guys obviously already in the system like Peterson and McGill who um, can give you that, you know, that back end uh, on depth when when these injuries occur. Right. I mean, you look at last year and you had McGill, Peterson and Williams making starts because pitching was worn so thin this offseason. They, they filled everything out. They moved those guys from, you know, in the rotation depth to out of the rotation depth. And, and again, it looks like there was a blueprint here and it's, it's kind of, you know, it's good that they took this route. Tyler McGill, I think he's in the same boat as Taiwan Walker. Um, I spoke about it a little bit this week. You know, he, he crossed his I guess high, his career high for innings pitched, which was 71 and two thirds, I believe in 2019, he crossed that last year, which of course, after not pitching in 2020, June, July 23rd, or maybe the following start. Anyway, he tacked on another 55, 60 innings on top of his career high after not pitching the season before. I mean, it it was, it was bound to happen. I think if you look at Tyler McGill's high point last year, which of course was the month of July, he had like a 1.04 ERA. I I do think his stuff can play at this level. I think that, uh, you know, if you look at the second half of the season, uh, you know, your general, you know, Joe Mets fan, you you look at it and say, Oh, well, yeah, he fell off. He's, he's not it. And you, whatever it is. And, you know, people said it about Walker. People say about Carrasco, even though you look at his body of work over his career and he's just a, you know, he can be an absolute, um, a metronome. He he goes out there and just does it every time. And then, you know, I think we're all hoping he regains that, but I think that this group, like you said, can, can certainly, uh, you know, hold back the tide until, um, well, you know, if Jacob DeGrom is out for a while, that's going to be a, a tall task. But, you know, even if Max Scherzer ends up missing his start, which is not looking likely, look, everyone's kind of fingers crossed he's going to be okay. Even he said he doesn't view it as anything serious. But, right, I, I, you know, I was fully prepared to head into the season with Tyler McGill as number five. 
<laughs> and then on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning, very early Saturday morning, I woke up and, and saw it around 536 o'clock. Um, you see that the Mets are already poking around for uh, for another pitcher in Chris Paddock. And, you know, it didn't go through. But do you think that that was I'm but let's put Paddock aside. Do you think going after another pitcher is necessary at this point? Um, you know, I think it's I, I think it behooves Epler to kind of be on the radar and look out for the options that are there. You know, I mean, I'm, looking, wait, I'm looking for my bell. You said behooves. I have a bell for good words. <laughs> oh, OK. Let's ring the bell. I, I got to find it. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. it. Next That's time right. you got to get you. Come on, man. You're, you're usually prepared, Tim. I, I, you never you have no idea Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I you know, I think, you know, listen, I mean, we saw Shamani get moved today. Right. Um, you know, I, I think. I think it's a good idea to obviously always be on the market and looking for pitch. Like we talked about, you can never have enough starting pitching depth. And if there's somebody out there that makes sense, you know, I don't see why you can't go for it. I mean, there's no, there's no harm in having, um, you know, David Peterson and Tyler McGill get, you know, full reps in, in AAA and, and get a little bit more seasoning and, you know, a little sure. bit more player development. And especially if you can, you know, plug somebody in who has the experience in the major league, um, you know, the ma- in major in the major leagues to, to, to fill in. I mean, I think I'm all for it. But like you mentioned, I think the fact that, you know, McGill, uh, you know, exceeded his uh, the most innings he's pitched last year by about, you know, 50 or 60 innings obviously plays a role in the drop off he had a little bit at the end of the year. But there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, in, in the one uh, the one the first start in the first game he appeared in this year, um, which is the I think the only stat cast uh, numbers we have. Uh, his average fastball velocity was up over a mile per hour from last year. He was averaging almost 96 miles per hour in his fastball. And again, that's one outing. So, be, you know, be, you know, it could be a hot gun. Who knows? But um, I know Al Leiter talked about he really likes he really likes McGill. He really likes his arsenal. He really likes his curveball, too. So I think there's a lot to like about this kid. Um, some people call him a, a Jacob the Grom light, <laughs> which I know, you know, that's that's throwing out a lot of, you know, that, that that's heavy right there. But, you know, I, I can see the similarities. Uh, and, and I think that. He is somebody that can, you know, can go out there and again, just give you quality innings. And I think the, the offense is, is, is more potent this year, obviously than last. So I think they can, you know, manufacture a few runs. And if you, you know, if he can hold you and give you two, three, you know, two, three earned runs and give you five or six innings, and then, you know, hand it off to the bullpen. I, I think he's more than capable of doing that. But on the same side, I think if there is a pitcher that's available and again, it's, it's late. I mean, we're almost, you know, we're almost, you know, just a few days away from opening day. I'm not sure who's really going to be available um, at this point. Uh, that's going to be better. You know, I, I was actually looking at when, when Chris Paddock was being mentioned as, you know, possibly coming to the Mets, uh, his zips projections, very similar to Tyler McGill's. Uh, sure. And again, projections are a little, you know, a little finicky and all that, but it gives you kind of a, you know, a little bit of a staple, a little bit of understanding, but I think Paddock was at, was mentioned to be, I think 1.7 F4 this year. And McGill was at 1.2 uh, and both around the same inning. So, you know, I, I would roll the punches with, you know, who you already have and, and don't give up, you know, a Dominic Smith, which, you know, the Mets obviously didn't end up doing, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, uh, you know, McGill, you know, giving him a little bit of, of the reins here. I think he's, I think he's earned it. Oh, same here. I like his stuff. And I, I think, you know, you were saying Jacob DeGrom White. And yeah, that is a that is very high praise. And it's a lot of uh, a lot to live up to. But, you know, the, I think the the generalities to it where the repeatable motion, which McGill has um, the life on his fastball certainly has. And the secondary stuff, which in McGill's case, it's the change up. And that thing is just disgusting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really do. I, I, I think that he could hack it up here. Of course, it's always nice to have extra depth. And even if they wanted to add a fifth, add a, a true fifth starter and 
use McGill or Williams or, or Peterson as a six star to keep everybody fresh, however they want to handle it. I mean, there's a lot of options there, but um, back to touch on the, on the paddock thing, you know, I, I just never saw the angle of it. Um, mm. You know, paddock's a mercurial pitcher. I know he has his history with Mets fans, his little beef with Pete Alonso, but beyond all that, and he had a really a tough, a really tough couple of years. His rookie season, he was terrific. He has he had a terrific fastball. Another guy with a great, great changeup. I know that I think Ken Rosenthal and uh, someone over someone else at the Athletic they wrote they put it out together. Uh, Andy McCullough, maybe um, they were uh, talking about how how the Mets think that they can change his his sequencing um, and really kind of accent his strengths. And I get that. I just never saw the point of, of moving a, a Dom Smith. And yeah, there were reports later in the day from Andy Martino at SNY that, you know, Dom would be open to a change. And I get that. I talked about that at the Apple on Sunday. Um, you know, he's been through a lot here and if he can go somewhere and start, why wouldn't he want to do that? But that's, that's a, we'll get to that in a second. Um, just moving a, a valuable piece. I've called him a core piece on Twitter yesterday and I kind of got picked apart for it. Um, I think Dom Smith is a core piece. He's, I don't know, top 10 on the team plate appearances this spring. Uh, I think the team views him as a core piece, but you know, whether that means he's in the quote unquote starting lineup every day is kind of secondary. He's still a core guy. He's still a very important part to this offense. I just never saw the point of moving him for a paddock who was, you know, what do you, I guess he's the centerpiece there and Hosmer, even if the Padres were picking up money and uh, Emilio Pagan are like your, uh, you, attached to it. I just, I, I never, I, I didn't grasp it. I never saw the angle and uh, I'm still a little confused where it all came from. I guess, again, once the report came out that Dom was open to moving, it kind of shed things in a different light. But um, even at that, you know, a player, if he's really unhappy, can demand a trade, but I don't think it got to that. I think he's just open to moving. Right. And I think Dom's preference, uh, and I'm rightfully so, is he wants to start, you know, and he wants to get sure. more playing time, more guarantee. And who doesn't, you know? Exactly. Um, and I and I get that. But yeah, for Paddock, you know, I, I guess I get the appeal, right? He's still 26, so age is still on his side. He's still got a few years of control. I think he's a free agent after the 2025 season. Um, you know, and, and like you mentioned, his changeup is filthy. Um, you know, there's a couple peripherals that are really nice, but you know, he comes with his own injury, um, you know, injury woes. I think yeah. he has a, a slight uh, UCL tear, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he got um, stem cell, and I think the the P, uh, <laughs> I almost said PCP, but I feel like that's not right. Platinum, uh, but, it's platelet rich plasma, PRP. Yes, PRP. PCP oh, is, a, is an illicit drug. <laughs> I feel like that's like a rap song. PTP, don't, no, 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 no. Anyway, um, so yeah, no, I, I, so I mean, he comes with his own, you know, his own health injuries. And, you know, that's the last thing I think the Mets need right now, especially with DeGrom out and, and, and not knowing exactly, you know, when Scherzer's going to make his next start. Um, it seems like a lot hinges on his side session, which is going to be on Tuesday. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, there is appeal. I, I do get it, but I, I don't, I think you, I agree with you. I don't think moving Smith, uh, I don't think he's the right asset. Uh, to move for a paddock. You know, I think if you're going to move Dom Smith, I think you could certainly package him um, with a better prospect and get a better pitcher in return. And that was kind of my, my case with it too. I feel like this was, even though it, the room, reports were that the Padres and Nets were talking for several weeks on this, this all just felt very rushed to me. Um, yeah. It feel, it felt like it was just put together. And this was kind of something that the Mets kind of reacted to. And, and I, again, I understand it. You know, I understand that, you know, especially a week out and, you know, you're losing your ACE. 
And then you know, with the news of, of Scherzer's hamstring. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, at this juncture and at this point, how far and how close we are to the season, that really just didn't make sense. And I, it, it just felt like trading Dom Smith for trade sake instead of trying to get the better deal back. So I, I don't, you know, if, if you're going to trade Dom Smith, I, I feel like you got, you got to get a better pitcher or a better piece back in return. And I don't think Paddock was that guy. No, I agree. And, and, you know, if you want to go out and get a project guy, get a reclamation project, that's cool. But I just don't, <laughs> I don't see trading a, a Dom Smith or even a JD Davis for something like that. Like, all right, Sean Manaya, who, uh, Manaya, who was um, available from Oakland and got traded to San Diego early Sunday morning. That's a guy who, in Oakland, you know, I think they have Eric Timms penciled in as their starting first baseman. He was a non-roster invite this year. That, you know, if the A's were listening, if the Mets were interested, I think that would have been an ideal spot if you were going to trade Dom Smith for him to land, just as a Dom Smith fan. Um, and as, you know, from the Mets' perspective, you get back Sean Mania. But, you know, I, I still think that Dom Smith in the lineup makes this a better team, or at least on the roster, makes the Mets a better team than a than a Chris Paddock or even a, you know, look at uh, uh, Tyler, um, what the hell's his last name in Cincinnati? Oh, um, Molly? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, Molly. Ma 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 Molly? 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 Anyway, <laughs> uh, my, our buddy Mike Mayer over at Metsmerized, was, uh, he reported some traction there earlier in the offseason. You know, this is a guy who could certainly come in and make a difference. Even in that case, do you take away from the depth that you've assembled, offensive depth that we really haven't seen in a long time, do you take away from that to plug a hole? I just, I just don't see it. I really, you know, I'm just very torn to, to you know, say the least. I think it, I mean, and again, this is all, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I, I think it really all just depends on, I mean, obviously the Grom is going to be out for a while. We know that it's going to be probably at least two months where, you know, if we're going off of, um, you know, prior pitchers that had similar injuries. And then I really think, you know, depending on Scherzer's health, um, if, if he's only going to miss, you know, knock on wood, hopefully the most he misses is just one, you know, one turn of the rotation, then I don't think you necessarily have to go out and, and add another starting pitcher and, and deplete from your depth, like you mentioned, you know, but if Scherzer, if this is going to be a lingering thing, and I think that's kind of where, you know, obviously Tuesday is a huge day if, if Scherzer can get through a side session, um, because obviously plugging in Scherzer and having those four and now just having to worry about, you know, one spot in the rotation as opposed to two, that's a different, you know, now, now it's a different animal we're talking about here. So if we're yeah. trying to replace a DeGrom and a Scherzer for, you know, multiple outings, that's when it gets dicey. And I think that's when you kind of have to make, you know, not a, I wouldn't call it a desperate move, but you have to do something because now you're trying to fill two roles. Um, and that now is making your depth even less on the starting pitching side. So I, I really think a lot hinges on Scherzer. So if, if Scherzer's in there, I don't think you necessarily have to make some, you know, a desperation type of move, but if, if he can't, you know, if, if, if that gets, you know, a little murky, I think that's when the Mets, and it might be too late at that point. You know, I'm talking about Tuesday now when we're, you know, that's two days before the opening day. I don't know if there's going to be much to be, able to, be, to, be, to be able to do at that point. So I think a lot of it right now is just hoping <laughs> that Scherzer gets through this and that you have, you know, Scherzer and Bassett up top and, you know, you roll with Walker and Carrasco and, and you know, possibly McGill at the end. And, and you know, you kind of hope that you can patch through that. And, and you know, that, that alone, I mean, the top two right there, Bassett and Scherzer, uh, I think we'll be able to really, you know, steady the Mets ship for a while. And it really shouldn't go on many losing streaks with, with those two uh, atop the rotation. Yeah. And, and even if you're piggybacking McGill and Williams on, on, on that fifth day, give them, you know, let them go through the order 
once or twice a piece. Pass it off to the bullpen, hopefully with a lead, and, you know, just keep on trucking. Who would have thought that we'd be, you know, it's not even opening day, and we're already talking about worst-case scenarios. Like, yeah. this, is, this is the essence of being a Mets fan. I miss this, man. Right. I know. I thought, you know, we all thought we were past that with the Steve Cohen era. And, you know, no, we, we, for some reason, we all we all we all thought that no one was going to get injured under the Steve Cohen era. No one was ever going to there was not going to be any drama. You know, we were all in the clear. And uh, no, of course, I'm just being sarcastic. But, you know, yeah, it's, uh, you know, what you know, it, it, it's one of those things that I, I think it just comes to the territory, man. And, you know, these pitching is just so volatile and it's just so unpredictable that, you know, it, that's again, the greatest thing you can do is stockpile depth and you, and, you know, and accumulate that and also, you know, promote, you know, and, and have the, the player development wherewithals in your system to have guys that can advance and, 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 you know, have promote from within. So I, I think right now as currently constituted, the Mets are okay, but if Scherzer is going to be out for any kind of, you know, prolonged period of time, that's when I think the Mets might have to do some kind of move to plug that, plug that hole. Yeah. Uh, then you're pulling, you know, then you're playing the leverage game and teams are going to try and take advantage of the, 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 the desperation like you were talking about. Uh, yeah. That, there's that anxiety, that familiar anxiety. <laughs> Let me, I'll be right back. I'm just going to get a Xanax real quick. No, no, I can't. I can't. But hold on. Let me take a bong hit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guys, we're going to take, but totally off topic. We are going to take a quick break here from our sponsors and, uh, and we'll be right back. Hang tight. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> All right, bringing it back. We're just going to do those uh, those prop bets. Okay, sounds good. And three, two. All right, and we're back. Um, Matt Brownstein, of course, senior writer over at Metsmerized. If you guys aren't following Metsmerized, of course, please do. Um, excellent work. Full uh, full service stop. They they really do it all over there. Our buddy uh, Mike Mayer runs the show, and just great crew. You guys know that. You guys know where to find them. But um, Matt, we're gonna go through. We're gonna have a little fun. Of course, gambling is on mainstream now, which is a discussion in itself. But um, you know, you're looking at these preseason baseball props, and there's really a lot to um, a lot to digest here. I mean, it's like it's like all the old picking winners, picking MVPs, picking rookie of the years, and stuff. But you know, now you got odds attached to it. It's uh, it's not just looking through rosters and saying, "Oh, he's going to have a big year." So, um, I guess we're let's let's run through and maybe pick some some favorites and some sleepers on uh, on our end. Yeah, let's do it. Go for let's go for it. All right, cool. So I'm just looking. I guess these are. I'm on VegasInsider.com. I'm not sure where they're pulling these exactly from. Oh, these are from DraftKings. All right, cool. DraftKings, I believe, is the official sponsor of uh, MLB Gambling, which, again, just a, a world of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of gray area there, but whatever. So Juan Soto is, is head and shoulders a favorite above anybody. He's at uh, plus 280, which is um, 28 to 1 odds. Uh, Ronald Acuna is second at seven high plus 700 which is 70 to one odds so you have a clear favorite in soto so my first question is national league mvp soto or the field mm. you know it's hard for me not to pick soto man i mean yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a tough one wow i mean he is just such a complete five tool player that and, and like how am i supposed to against how am i supposed to go against Juan soto and that ridiculous on base percentage. I mean, the dude just can do it all. I I'm going to have to go with Juan Soto on this one. I, I honestly think I'm with you. 
And it might, you know, and you can go down this list and pick sleepers everywhere. I mean, if Mookie Betts comes back and has a monster year, which I think he's more than capable of, you know, he's a, he's a, a dark horse, I guess you could say. Bryce Harper's the reigning MVP. I believe he's third highest odds. Him and Mookie, him and Mookie Betts are tied. They're plus 900 apiece. But I mean, you know, what if Arenado snaps back into form? What if Austin Riley has a real breakout season? I mean, that's, that's a, it's a very deep field. There's a lot of talent. What if Jacob DeGrom ends up, you know, maybe not DeGrom. I was going to say, what if he only ends up missing a month? But that's probably not going to happen. What if Scherzer? What if Scherzer puts up a historical season and and and, and pushes for a, a National League MVP? I don't even know. I want to see what. The last one to do it was Verlander in the American League and Kershaw in the National League to win Cy Young and MVP. I believe so, yeah. And before that, oh, see? And um, you said it before, and now I'm not prepared. <laughs> I jinxed you. Who? Uh, to win MVP and Cy Young in the same season? Yeah. I know Raleigh Fingers did it in 81 as a, as a reliever. Which is pretty, pretty amazing, yeah. Oh, did you, um, have you ever seen his numbers from that season? I haven't, not in a long time, no. Oh, my I, goodness. Oh, I, I want to say he made 60-something appearances and probably averaged like an inning an inning and a two-thirds, maybe even a little bit higher. Wow. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm pulling that out of my ass, but impressive year. Very impressive year. You know yeah, what we no, didn't touch on in the first half is the Castro trade, which um, that's my fault. We missed it. We're going to touch on that before we finish up. I just said Definitely. really and I said, oh, yeah. So are, are we Don, both- uh, Don Newcomb also uh, going way back 1956 and also young and MVP the same year. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's rare, but you know, you have these possibilities that, you know, a breakout year, just a, 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 a guy who maybe fell off a little bit, who's been an MVP in the past. What I mean, how about, Bellinger how about Lin- nowhere? You have a lot how about of Lindor? What if Lindor comes back and has a huge, you know, offensive year to go along couple with that, uh, you know, insane gold glove at, at short. I mean, you know, I know right now I think he's at plus 2,800 odds for the National League MVP, but, I mean, if he has a bounce back, I mean, remember, Beltran had, a, you know, a subpar first year with the Mets, and then he just, you know, had an insane 2006. So, you know, why can't Lindor? You know, I think Lindor, I mean, especially if you're going off the spring numbers, he's having a pheno- you know, phenomenal spring. Uh, his exit velocity numbers are through the roof. So, yeah, you know, he has a cover off the ball. Absolutely. So, who, you know what? I mean, I would definitely say that he, you know, he could be up there in the conversation as well. But as of right now, I, I have to stick with Juan Soto. I mean, the dude is just the best player, uh, you know, by, I think by far in the National League and, and one of the top three players in all of baseball. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think that, you know, there's, uh, you know, the same way we, the same feelings that you said that you felt when you were looking at Mike Trout for his first couple of seasons, like, oh my God, what am I watching right now? Right. It's it's the same, if not more pronounced. It really is. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Discipline, the 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 pitch recognition, um, the the. And he's only twenty three years old. With such confidence, with yep. so much confidence, just spitting the pitches, literally spitting the pitches. Like, no, nope, I'm good, and and then just honing in on his pitches and, and absolutely tattooing them. Yeah. The- the plate discipline that he has at 23 is, is what somebody should have at, you know, 28, 29, 30. And he's so advanced and so far, far beyond his years that uh, I think really the sky's the limit for this. I mean, we're watching, like you said, a Hall of Fame trajectory right now in, in the same line that, you know, you mentioned Mike Trout, 100%. This is the, that's the kind of guy we're watching. He's a, a generational talent that, uh, you know, is, is going to be hitting the market in, what, it's a few years. So that's going to be a fun uh, bidding war that'll probably get, you know, 400 plus million dollars in, uh, 
you know, in salary. So that's something that, you know, I'm sure all Met fans are, are, are salivating and waiting for uh, Steve Cohen to open the checkbooks up to, to bring Sutter to Queens. That would be something. Oh my goodness. I think we're all kind of waiting for it. Um, you know, I, I think Washington, it, they, they can keep on tossing huge extension offers at him. And, you know, he's already turned down one or maybe two. Definitely one. Yeah, the one, the one, the recent one I think we all heard about. The recent, right? but there might have been right. another one before that, too. But not, Probably. not, not might like have a, been, yeah. A, earlier, like a, a few years ago. I'm not 100%. Anyway, yeah. I mean, if he's, he's, he's pretty much, I don't want to say made it clear, but he's alluded to the fact that maybe Washington isn't in his long term future. Oh, yeah. You have to assume that everyone's making, making room in their, their uh, 20, what is it, 2025 budget for him? Right. Oh, absolutely. And they're just looking their chops waiting for this guy. And he'll be at that point, what? He'll be 25, 26. My God. I mean, and, and, and right in his prime. So it's, yeah, he, he's going to be, yeah, because it was a 13-year, $350 million uh, extension that the, the Nationals recently offered. So, you know, you have to expect that this is going to eclipse 400 million at that point. Oh, without a doubt. Speaking of generational talents, um, we're going to move over to the American League where uh, you have, pretty much the generational talent, uh, mm. Shohei Otani up at the, uh, the top of the AL MVP list, but he's got a couple of guys like right on his tail. This should be a much closer race. At least that's what the odds are saying. So you got Shohei Otani, who's the unicorn, um, you know, doing things that we've literally never seen done in baseball, you know, Babe Ruth pitched for a few years, then became Babe Ruth the hitter. Shohei Otani's doing it all at the same time. And it's, it blows my mind every time you see him. It's just crazy. You just have to hope and pray that he stays healthy. And boy, you could take this game to just un, you know, unprecedented heights. It's very exciting. It's hard to bet against the guy that, you know, is, you know, potentially going to put up a 150 plus, you know, 150 or better OPS plus and, uh, you know, give you 130 to 140 innings of, you know, a sub three, five Oh ERA, you know I mean? How do you, how do you not give somebody that's, that's doing it on both sides of the ball, you know, the, the MVP odds, which obviously, you know, Vegas is, um, you know, I, I think it really is just, you know, barring health. I, I think Otani has to be the favorite again. Right. I mean, just because yeah. of what he can do on, on, you know, on both sides of the ball. And now uh, with the ability to stay in the game, um, uh, when he's pitching, right. So now with the, with the new rule where if he's, you know, if he's, if he's pitching, he can still stay in a hit. Uh, so it gives him a few extra at bats. Uh, I, I think he's going to, you know, he's primed to have another big year. I don't see him slowing down at all. I mean, the guy is, you know, young as well. He's just, well, I think he just, he's going to be 28 in July. Um, he's a freak, you know, there's no way to put it, no other way to put it. He yeah. is just a generational guy. Uh, you, you put, you know, you threw Babe Ruth out there, which, you know, I mean, the comparisons are there. I mean, it's a power hitter who also is is crazy on the mound. He's doing it at the same time. Uh, it's oh, unbelievable. I, think, I, I don't even think there is a comparison. I think the show, what Shohei did just last year, of course, I'm not going to discredit Babe Ruth's career, but what he did last year is nothing that Babe Ruth ever came close to doing. No. What did he pitch in a couple of games a year and, and, and hit, and then he just transitioned into a full-time hitter. He right. never did what Shohei Otani did. No one's ever did what Shohei Otani did. And I kind of like the aspect of the new Shohei Otani rule to kind of encourage more two-way players. I would love it. Encourage the development of more two-way players. I know uh, Mason Wynn in St. Louis is one coming up. Um, mm-hmm. Casey Schmidt in San Francisco, another uh, talented two-way player. 
Brendan McKay, who's battled injuries, a bunch of injuries uh, in Tampa Bay, but uh, he like almost fits the same profile, like the same, like, uh, like makeup and, and build as Otani, just a mountain of a man who can throw 98 and also hit a ball 400 feet. It's, it, you know, it's these, like you said, these freaks of nature, but that's, what's going to take the game forward. I know we kind of got off track here, but he's just such an impressive ball player. It really is. And it's so fun to watch. And it's so rare, um, you know, like you mentioned and, and having him be able to, I mean, you know, he basically put up, you know, he put up a, a over four war as a hitter and over four war as a pitcher. I mean, he was just that dominant on both sides of the ball. It, it's incredible. Um, it, it really I can't is. wrap my head around that. Yeah. And, and, and a guy with power. I mean, obviously 46 home runs with speed, 26 stolen bases. Um, guy that gets on base at a high clip too, 372. I mean, this guy literally, literally can do it all. Um, and, and he's a ton of fun to watch. But like you mentioned, I mean, his his teammate and, and former MVP, Mike Trout, is is very close in in, in the um, in the Vegas odds as well. I think Otani, you said it was plus 380. Trout looks like he's at plus 400. So he's right behind. And then, of course, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is plus 450. So those are look like the three top uh, candidates for uh, MVP odds in the American League. Oh, without a doubt. And I, I mean, I love Vladdy. I'm a big, big Vladdy fan. Um, you know, Mike Trout, <laughs> uh, you know, up until as of late was no doubt the greatest baseball player I've ever seen. And now that, you know, every day we're seeing something more incredible. And, uh, you know, if he's healthy, he's another guy who's healthy and he just does game shifting things. Yes. It's, it's, it's just so incredible to see like the five tool player, no matter who it is, no matter where they're, what team they're on. Like when you see it, there's just that if you're, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you see it and you just feel it like, Oh my God, that's just, beautiful like playing call watching Carlos Beltran and play center field it was just a thing of beauty he just did it yes. so well and you, know, you look at a five tool player and they do everything so well it's um you know it's why we love this game we just need to get Otani and Trout to the playoffs man I mean we just need to see these guys <laughs> rock and roll in the playoffs I mean that's, well, that's what Noah guards there for <laughs> absolutely hey you know his 140 150 innings might put him over top who knows oh I hope so I'm rooting for him I really am I am too. I hope he has a bounce back year this year and, and goes and hits the market and gets his money. I, I do like Syndergaard. I don't really get the hate. You know, the guy, yeah. I mean, I, you, you know, nobody would turn down an extra three, four million dollars a year. I'm sorry. No. You know, coming so off of, I, coming off of basically no innings pitched. Yeah. 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 Who's going to who's going to say no to that? Absolutely. So that that hate, again, I think is just so kind of, you know, out of left field. But yeah, absolutely. I, I hope the Angels, you know, in the, in the expanded playoffs, you know, maybe they'll get a shot. But I really would love to see. Uh, Trout and Otani do some damage in the postseason. Oh, I like that team too. I like David Fletcher a lot. I like, um, well, I love, jo uh, I was going to say Justin Upton, but he was just released. It is um, uh, Joe Adele. Joe Adele in yes. left field. I believe he's getting the nod now. And not Matt Taste. There's someone else out there that I'm really, I mean, Matt Taste is a nice young ball player, but gosh, I can't think of it now. But yeah, no, they got some nice pieces out there. I really hope they can take the next step because, like you said, it's it's good for the game if you got superstars in contention. Absolutely, you need some best players on the biggest spotlight. Oh, exactly. That's I mean, that's what the game wants. That's what the fans want, and you know, hopefully now you're going to start to see stars in every market, and hopefully, you know, more teams spending money. But we'll we'll get there as the game grows, as the revenue goes up. Blah blah. Well, don't. Don't tell Oakland that. Apparently, they're uh, they didn't get the memo. Uh, they, yeah, them in Pittsburgh are uh, you embarrassing. Know. Yeah, it, it's it, it's embarrassing. It's setting it's setting a shitty example. 
Like they're Absolutely. doing it blatantly. It's not even like, oh, we're trying. No, your, your, your payroll's down pushing $30 million. I know there's a lot of factors that go into this. And still, if you're getting revenue sharing money and you're not putting that towards improving your on-field product and therefore in, increasing your own revenue, right. you're messing up. <laughs> that's, it just, that's what it comes down to. Plain and simple. Yeah, and I think John Hamm had a tweet earlier. I think he said it was either 91 or 92. Oakland led baseball with like a thirty million dollar payroll, and that's what they're that's like what that's what their payroll's at right now, essentially, or yeah. close to it. It's like it's it's crazy to put that in perspective. Um, yeah. and, and they Oakland. traded away four of their top five players in B War last year. I mean, that's you know, I just feel bad for the fans of Oakland. You know, it's just like you know, you really can't get comfortable with with any of your players. You just kind of have to root you know, for the laundry as opposed to rooting for the individual players, you know, because you, you get too comfortable with these guys and they just, you know, ship them off. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, unless you've got that rabid diehard fan base that's going to stick with you through thick and thin, you know, these, you know, there are teams that just don't have a fan base. And that's, right. you know, that's a shame, but it, it seems like all these teams fail to realize that if you actually try to win and put a winner out there, People will flock. They always do. They always have, and they always will. Like it's, Abs- just, it's just how it is. But um, absolutely, if you had to pick out of those top three, those uh, the Otani's, Trout's, and Guerreros, you sticking with Otani? The the, uh, the odds-on favorite? I have to stick with Otani just because of the fact that you know the, the, the pitching and hitting and, and what he's and what he's doing on both uh, on both ends is it's it's hard to to go against that. And that's nothing against Trout or Guerrero Jr. Obviously, they're both phenomenal players, and I think any three of them could easily win it. But if Otani replicates what he did last year or anywhere near it, it's hard for me to see anybody eclipse that. I am going to go. I'm going to go way off track here. I'm Ooh. going down the trough a bit. Uh, Luis Robert, who I believe is the next true superstar in Major League Baseball, I believe this is Luis Roberts' year. I think he is going to be. Um, I think he's going to. He could do. He could be the next 40-40 player. He truly could. And Having I, a great spring too. Uh, is he right? I know he hit two home runs late this week in a game. Um, I haven't been following his numbers all too closely, but yeah. I know the last time I checked, he had an OPS. I mean, again, it's small sample sizes, obviously, it's, you know, 30 plus plate appearances, but OPS over a thousand, a couple of home runs, 10 RBIs. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. He's going to be an exciting, exciting player uh, for a long time. And I think Chicago's got a, a really, uh, you know, another, you know, big year out of Chicago for sure. Oh, yeah. No, I think Robert, uh, that would be my pick. And I know I'm, I'm, Again, this is going to be a long shot odds wise, but yeah, I think that's that. That's my guy. I think he's due for something. Um, where does he? Do you know, where does he fall on the uh, on the odds? You know, I got him at plus two thousand, so two hundred to one. Oh, so and hey. we got Wander Franco ahead of him. Wow, it's it's Otani, Trout, Guerrero, Aaron Judge, Wander Franco, Luis Robert, Rafael Devers, who's having a monster spring. Yeah. I think yeah. he hit another home run today. He's up to like five or six home runs this spring. And uh, Jose Ramirez, and then Bo Bichette ahead of Jordan Alvarez, which I think Jordan Alvarez is the most undersung superstar potential uh, player with superstar potential in the game. I think he's yeah. got 50 homer potential. He's got 320 potential. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Jordan. Yeah. Big, big fan. Yeah. Kids are starting well. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I, I, he had like such a, I think, an underrated year last year that, I mean, it was just kind of unheralded. You know, I feel like nobody really, I mean, you know, people know, obviously know him in the game, but I feel like, you know, the guy hit 33 home runs, uh, 136 OPS plus, you know, played 144 games. I mean, this guy, 
his offensive profile is uh, is off the charts, and I think he's definitely going to be uh, you know a big star in this game for many years to come, and not not even twenty five yet. So uh, yeah. a lot a lot of big years to come for for Jordan Alvarez. Dude, the Dodgers. I I don't want I don't want to say they DFA'd him, but they they traded him for like nothing. I want to say. Yeah, I, what are they, what was it? Uh, I think it was for Josh Fields. Oof, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, ouch, rough. Yeah. That's one of the ones you'll go back and just, you know, you'll, they'll kick yourselves over. You know, it's just like, uh, dude, he goes the other way. When he goes the other way, it, it's like, um, like Giancarlo Stan, when he hits a monster home run, it's like one of my favorite things in baseball. Jordan Alvarez going the opposite way, especially in Houston, when you got that train track and that fancy left field kind of design. Oh, a thing of beauty. Just gorgeous. Just yep. gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. Dude, I, Today's game is just chock full of stars. So much talent. It's just, it's a high point in the game. And young talent too. And it's, you know, it's a, we're, we're really going to be spoiled for the next, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. I mean, we're, it's really stacked and there's more obviously on the way, but yeah, right now the current crop uh, of young guys in their, you know, early to mid to late twenties is uh, it, it's amazing. And it's so much fun to watch. And I think this is the point right now where major league baseball needs to promote these guys and, and do whatever they can to, to get this game on a bigger scale because baseball deserves it. There's so much talent out there and there's so many great guys that, that you should be rooting for and watching on a day in a day out basis that don't necessarily get the coverage they should. Uh, and I really hope they do because there's so much, like you mentioned right now that it's, it's like a gluttony of talent, which is so much fun to watch. And it's so good for the game. It really is. And, you know, like you said, it comes down to marketing the game, which the, the you know, MLB has done, really really a poor job of doing in, in recent years right you gotta hope with the expansion into streaming with the the push that they're making the stupid nft things whatever they, they're they're at least they're making an attempt or at least it seems like they are and hopefully that that takes place i do want to try and get into cy young picks of course this isn't as um star studded but there's still a lot of really really tough choices i mean just in the national league itself uh max scherzer is leading the way uh jacob Degrom has dropped to fifth in the uh, in the odds rankings so max scherzer is at plus 600 corbin burns is at plus 800 walker bueller's plus nine wheeler's plus a thousand and jacob Degrom's plus a thousand then you got brandon woodruff sandy alcantara um logan webb who i'm a big fan of aaron nola who's a little higher on this list than i anticipated oh wow see i i think joe musgrove could have a big year i think julio urias could have a, a, a huge year. I think he's got, you know, ace level stuff. I think he could be a, uh, a certainly a, a good pick down towards the end of the line there. But and what a control he, artist too. He is unbelievable. Oh my goodness. He can, you know, and he's versatile. He has no problem coming out of the bullpen in the postseason. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's fun, fun guy to watch. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, right now, I mean, Mike, I mean, you know, Obviously, it's hard to bet against Scherzer, but uh, I, I really like I, – I mean, I love our former Met uh, right-hander, Zach Wheeler. I mean, yeah. the guy, you know, almost won it last year and, and, and had a huge year. I mean, this guy is, is, is breaking out and finally getting the, uh, the recognition he deserves. Um, you know, I, I definitely could see, uh, you know, Wheeler being, you know, another, con- you know, candidate. I know he's had some injury uh, issues this spring as well, um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think if, if – Barring any, you know, big setback, I think Wheeler will be right up there in the conversation as well. Yeah. Oh, I think he should. Uh, you know, there you, matters who you talk to. Some people might tell you Zach Wheeler should have won it last year. And I know that, I, you know, there was a very stiff competition. And, um, you know, Corbin Burns did outstanding, amazing things last year. Still, Zach Wheeler, 
you know, if you look at it in a certain light, had arguably just as impressive, if not maybe a little more impressive season. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a high watermark for pitching. It's a high, we were just talking about it in general, but in pitching, you know, the amount of data, the amount of just the, the balance, like, you know, the, the two or three out of 10 success rate balance of pitchers versus hitters, the amount of data that's kind of pushing that, that line more in the pitcher's favor, we're seeing just, I guess, in real time, the evolution of pitching that's, you know, pitch shaping, um, it's the, all, all the analytical data that goes into today's strategizing, today's, you know, approach. Right. I know some pitchers will be like, nope, grip it and rip it. And, and that's, that's all it is. Some guys will be like, you know, I'll look at this, but maybe not that. Some guys kind of, kind of have to be coaxed into it. It just, you know, it, it, it's going to bring everybody up, the, uh, the grading curve of the, the craft itself. It's, oh, absolutely. It's very exciting. Oh, absolutely. And like you mentioned, like, you know, the, the pitch design um, and all the movement that goes behind it. And obviously, you know, with the technology, with the Repsotos and Edutronics, I mean, every team obviously is deploying analytics and data and, and, and some more than others, obviously. And the Mets have really beefed up their analytic department. Uh, I think they're like well over 20 members now. So yeah. um, it's one of those things that like, you know, you, you don't even have to be, you know, you don't have to fully buy into it. I mean, obviously players are, you know, a lot, go off of a lot of feel and, 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 and rightfully so, but to use that, that data and, and the data that you collect from the tech and to implement that into your player development um, is such a key and crucial uh, aspect of, of, you know, surviving in baseball, <laughs> especially in today's game with like, but you mentioned all the data, all the analytics, all the numbers that are there um, and, and hitters are getting stronger and hitting the ball farther that we've, you know, ever seen before, or ever, ever tracked before. So pitchers have to keep up and, and they're doing so. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the profiles in these guys now and, and how they're, you know, even just incrementally getting a little bit better. Um, you know, I actually talked to uh, Colin Holderman yesterday and he was talking about how a small little mechanical tweak uh, made by Ricky Meinhold a few years ago um, helped him go from, you know, topping out at 93 to throwing 98, 99, like we're seeing him now in spring. So, you know, little, little details and attention to details and, you know, little things that, you know, these departments can pick up and video and all that um, make a world a world of a difference uh, in terms of, in terms of talent. So, um, you know, that, that's what excites me, Wheeler. I should have paid more attention in physics, huh? <laughs> you, me, 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 you, me both, man. I should have paid attention to more math. I should have paid attention <laughs> to more physics, science. You know, I, I, if they only taught it in baseball terms, I think I would have been an A, a plus student, but you know, mm. alas, it was all textbook and old, old school learning. So, you know, I had to get by with my B's and C's, I guess. So. Yeah. Oh, dude, my, my oldest, they're doing like Python programming in high school. I'm wow, like, oh. that's great. I'm like, stick with that. Like, you want to work in baseball? She's like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> like, well, you could <laughs> go learn Python. Hey, coding. I I'm, I'm still trying, I'm playing around with them. still trying to learn it, but coding is, is, is something that is so big and it's definitely, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's in everything, you know, it doesn't even have to be just baseball. I mean, coding and, and, and web development and all that kind of stuff is in, is in, is so much, uh, so much demand. That uh, that's such a great profession. I know we're getting off topic, but that that's great. I think that the kids no, should be get off this topic. at a younger age. This is it should be called simply amazing. Simply amazing. We go on fucking tangents. <laughs> simply amazing coffee talk. You know. Yes. Oh, and I could use a coffee right now. It's been a, it's been a long Sunday. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of just so many pluses to today's game, and, and I know we still have 
AL Cy Young. I'm just going to run. I think it's going to be Dylan Cease. Do you have a pick from the AL? Uh, Gary hmm. Cole. Gary Cole's your favorite. Shane's leading right now. Yeah. Robbie Ray, Giolito, McCullers, who I love. What a crafty, crafty pitcher. Yeah. You know, Cease is not a bad pick. I haven't really looked too much into it, but I'm going to throw just atop my head. I'll probably just go Bieber just to throw something out there. I haven't really looked too much into it. Yeah, no, I'm kind of taking the safe route. I know I'd rather have, I'd like to have someone like kind of sexy and under the radar, but uh, yeah, I'll stick with Bieber, but I I like your pick with Cease, man. I think he is due to break out in in, in a big way. Um, Him and Carlos Rodon had two of the best foreseen fastballs in baseball last year. I watched Cease pitch this week and he looked just totally in control. So yeah, he sold me. It only took like three and a half innings. He sold me. Hey man, I mean the guy is you know a swing and miss machine. Um, it, I mean the sky's the limit for this kid. I think he really has he has the repertoire. He has the pitches. He has the velocity. I mean he is uh, he, he's going to be. I, I think he's a dark horse, but I think he he definitely could be you know one of those guys that has a, a big breakout. I mean, listen, last year you know he made thirty two starts. Uh, I mean you know one hundred eleven plus year uh, eleven hundred eleven ERA plus. Um, you know is that it? under three points even higher than that. Yeah, no, I'm looking at his baseball reference. But, I mean, he had a FIP under under, under 3.50, um, you know, ton of strike. I mean, you know, average, you know, over 12 strikeouts per nine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, we, we're, we're seeing the incremental, um, you know, um, progression of, 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 of Dell and C. So I think that he definitely can be uh, a dark horse candidate for song. I think that's a, that's a good pick. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is going to win uh, MVP and, and Cy Young. And Cy Young. Young. He's going to do it not for the reasons we talked about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, listen, they, they gave Corbin Burns the MVP and he had, what, 160 innings last year, I guess. And that was the big thing, obviously, with him and Wheeler. Wheeler was out like, like 213. So if Otani, Otani could throw 130, 140 innings and if he has, you know, ridiculous FIP and a bunch of strikeouts, why the hell not? <laughs> you know, that's what weird. I'm saying. Like he, he, maybe he only puts up, like you said, 130, 140, 150 innings. But, you know, what if he does something so unbelievable that you can't ignore it? Oh, that's just, ah, oh, God, man. I love this. This week before the season starts, this is like the most exciting part of the season. I swear to Absolutely. God. And hope springs eternal, you know? That's and the every, one. Every, that's the line. That's it. Is there a bell? Do I get a bell for that one? Or oh, not? I still, I got, I swear I got to find the bell. <laughs> next time, next time I'm on, there better be the bell ready. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have rookie of the year stuff here, but you know what? Let's let's let the rookie of the year simmer. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the rookies once they uh, get their feet wet. Once you know what we're working with. Smart. Sounds good. And maybe guys that we're not even thinking about, you know, that could come up and, and do some crap. I think rookie of the year is kind of always a little bit of, uh, you know, like a fickle pick because we just never really kind of can, can tell. And guys that seem like they're the obvious choices, you know, for whatever reason, don't pan out or, or you know, have a rough go of it in the rookie year or, you know, there's always surprises. So uh, yeah, that's a tough one for me. I feel like it's a little bit more of a safer bet, you know, again, barring any health injuries with uh, the MVPs and Cy Youngs, at least you have kind of a, you know, a slew of choices there. Yeah. You know, I think Suzuki and Bobby Witt are probably your favorites. Um, We'll see if O'Neill Cruz comes up and makes a big impact in Pittsburgh. I think he's going to be a, uh, a big name out there, CJ Abrams. He's going to have a ch- chance with uh, with Tatis. I love I love Joey Bart out in San Francisco. I think he's going to slide into Posey's spot real well. But my sleeper, at least this is on, on the American League side, Jeremy Pena. I think that he's a uh, a terrific young player. I think he had two home runs on Sunday, I believe, and uh, 
if Riley Green hadn't gotten hurt in Detroit and he's going to start the year on the I.L., I think he would have had a real shot. Same thing with Torgelson, but yeah, big fan of Jeremy Pena. He's a young, young star. Yeah, and he's having a pretty good spring too, from from last I checked. Yeah, there's yeah. there's quite a few players that uh you know could make some noise this year. Uh yeah, you know, fun. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. To go along with already the the plethora of guys that we have, they're already a, you know, they're early to mid twenties that are already just you know superstars in their own right. So it's game is just getting better and better, man. There's just so much talent from all over the world that's uh you know, showcasing their stuff. It's just, it's, it's a blast to watch. It is. Oh, absolutely. And it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun season. Um, before we sign off, uh, what was your very brief take on the Castro for Joely Rodriguez trade? Do you think it was necessary? Um, well, for I me, mean, you know, Miguel Castro does have some reverse splits, but I, I get, I guess I get what the Mets were doing. I, I was looking more into Rodriguez's uh, profile and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously if they really want it, I mean, and they, and they've had some, you know, some good moments, obviously, this this uh, spring with um, Alex Claudio and Chase and Shreve. But uh, Rodriguez does have some pretty good numbers against lefties. Um, since 2020, uh, 119 lefty pitchers uh, have faced a minimum 75 lefty hitters. And Rodriguez is ranked, uh, has the 10th lowest FIP, 2.32, the 11th highest K percentage at 32.1%, and the second highest ground ball percentage at 74.5%. Um, his changeup is his big swing and a miss pitch. Um, I looked up too among 84 pitchers who had a minimum 150 changeup swung at last year. Rodriguez owned the sixth highest whiff percentage of 40.9%. Um, I, I think, you know, the control is a little bit of an issue for him too, but better than Castro. I mean, Castro last year, I think he had like a, a walk rate of like 14%. Um, Rodriguez is a little bit better. I think it was like a little over eight, a little, just, just under 9%. Um, but he was also in the 97th percentile in chase rate in 2021 and in large part due to his changeup. So, um, you know, he, he's an interesting profile. I think he's, he's definitely got some stuff that uh, is intriguing, uh, especially against lefties. Um, this seems kind of like a, a kind of a one for one swab. I don't think that anybody really makes out much in this. Um, I know there was some talk and there was some confusion uh, earlier on. It looked like, uh, Rodriguez had an extra year of control, but I think based off of his last contract, he actually is a free agent after this year. So as is, as is Castro. So, um, was it necessary? Maybe, maybe not so, especially if, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to buy into what Shreve and, and Claudia have done, uh, this spring, but, um, I, I don't see the hurt. I think, you know, especially if, you know, you're going to, if you're really going to depend a lot on, uh, Drew Smith this year. Um, so Castro might've been a little bit more expendable, um, in order yeah. to get a, a true lefty. So, uh, I didn't mind it. I think it was a, you know, a decent trade. And I don't know, uh, Billy Appler was talking, uh, about it earlier saying that he was kind of talking to some of the extra talk, talking to the Yankees about some of the extra lefties they had in their, uh, in their pens. So, uh, you know, clearly they see something like him Rodriguez, and, and there is stuff to, to like, uh, when you look, you know, dig a little deeper into his profile. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not like, you know, up in arms over it. I do really, really like Castro's stuff. You know, his slider, if you look at the metrics on it and look at the results on it, um, you know, just via stat cast, it plays him and DeGrom's slider are not statistically too far off. Of course, him and Jacob DeGrom are not anywhere near on the same page as far as, you know, pitchers, but um, his stuff is, is, is a plus. And I, I, you know, of course, the team would know much better than than we would from the outside looking in, whether whether he was part of the plans. But, you know, from that outside perspective, I really thought he was. I was kind of taken aback that he was included in a trade for, uh, for uh, you know, a guy who, who has, you know, like you said, he has a lot of potential. He's very effective against left-handers, but the Mets have Shreve, and he's been doing real well. And, of course, there's never a problem having too many effective relief pitchers. But, you know, 
I like Castro. I thought that he had uh, he had the stuff to do it. And I'm still going to be rooting for him across town. But yeah, I was definitely taken aback. I mean, I want to say what's his name was uh, pitching in Jap- Japan two years ago. Joely Rodriguez. Uh, yes. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's great that he refound his stuff. But, you know, I, again, I was very impressed by Castro's stuff. I think that he was like you said, some guys are just a you know, a tinker or a mechanical adjustment away. I think Castro was very much in that boat and uh, wouldn't be shocked if he, he finds his groove in the Bronx. Absolutely. I mean, the, the biggest bugaboo for Castro was always his control. I mean, you know, the, the walk rate was always, you know, was always hurting him. I, I know he was in the, the, the third percentile in, in walk rate last year. But Is that right? I mean, yeah. But I mean, the whiff rate, I mean, almost 90, you know, 87 percent fastball velocity, 98 percentile. Um, you know, he limits hard hits. Uh, so, I mean, there is a lot to like, and that you mentioned his slider with that, you know, the, the tremendous amount of horizontal break that he gets on it is just so filthy. So he's got, he's got all the t- talent and the stuff. It's just, I think a matter of just kind of putting it together and, and, and just limiting the walks. I think if he can do that, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, he did appear in, you know, almost 70 games last year. So he was, you know, somebody that, uh, was called upon a lot, uh, by Luis Rojas. And I, I think, you know, there's no reason to think that he, he won't be, you know, with Aaron Boone. Um, yeah. there, there is a lot to like with this guy and his profile. I think it really is just a matter of just, you know, just limiting the walks and, and, and commanding the strikes on a little bit better because everything else is there. <laughs> the tool, you can yeah. clearly see the tools and he's still young enough. I think he's only what, 27, 28. So, um, yeah. you know, I think this could be, you know, a, a nice pickup for, uh, for the Yankees. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think he has a little bit of the, um, the Eben Diaz dynamic to him where he has so much movement on his fastball that he's still in his career, like path harnessing that movement and figuring out how to use that movement. And maybe the right. Mets just got impatient kind of waiting for that to happen and then thought they had better options. And, you know, they have internal discussions, I'm sure. And they came to their conclusion, but um, yeah, just as a, as an observer, I think that uh, I think Castro is going to find that group. I really do. I hope he does. Yeah, I'm like you, like you mentioned, I'm rooting for him too. I always like Castro. I always like his stuff. Um, you know, it, it's always nice to see the guys that have the talent and, uh, you know, are able to put it together. And uh, yeah, I hope he can, you know, and, and I, I really hope that he can, um, you know, harness the, a little better command of the strike zone, especially I think, like you mentioned, I think the movement, the profile and his stuff probably, you know, hinders his, uh, his ability to command uh, at times. Um, yeah. You know, and I would too, if I had, you know, the amount of break he has on a slider, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it'll be fun to watch. His, his four seam moves like a two seam. Same thing. Yeah. As yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very similar profiles. It's uh, it's fun, man. It's fun to watch, watch these guys. And uh, no, it's great. And being able to, to view the, the, the data and the metrics on baseball savant and, and really kind of get a clearer image of how this stuff moves and everything like that. It's just, it's always fun to watch, especially with, with like the spin based movement, uh, the pitch types. It's uh, it's incredible. Oh, and then like, you know, the best is going on StatCast and finding something that like in your head, it's like, Oh my God, I just, just discovered this cool thing. And then, you know, reality hits you that, you're literally just, you know, dancing around on the tip of the iceberg. And there's people that are like neck deep in this stuff that yep. are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to know why that's the case? And they'll give <laughs> you this just science lesson on on why things happen in baseball. And, you know, I could sit and listen. I could eat that shit up for hours. But oh, again, I think we found another tangent. I think we might. And that's a good tangent, though. You know, and <laughs> I forgot who I think of, I think it was Adam Fisher, um, obviously the f- uh, former Mets front office exec. Uh, who right, told right, my right, ass Adam Fisher. Adam, there we go. Shout out to Adam Fisher. I haven't heard from him in a long time. He hasn't been on Twitter in a minute. But uh, um, but yeah, he told me I asked him a couple of years ago. I said, you know, obviously, you know, there's you know, we have the baseball savant data. We have baseball prospectus. We have fan graphs, you know, yada, yada, yada. We have so much stuff. How, give me a percent. How much more? do the major league clubs have? And I mean, I think he threw out like 40 or 50% more 
than what the public has. And I believe it. And it's just scary to think that the public consumption has so much available data at their disposal now. But to think that there's that much more that they have, and it makes sense, obviously, because they have, you know, some more sophisticated, you know, tech and, 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 and you know, obviously analysts on hand. But um, it, it really kind of puts in perspective that thinking about just how much we have available to us, they have, you know, triple, quadruple the amount of stuff that we even have and, and, and are thinking, you know, way ahead of us, which is, is incredible. Yeah. Love oh. to just, you know, get a, be a fly on the wall uh, at, at one of these meetings just to hear, you know, just some of the, uh, some of the input and the analysis these guys have. You need like a United Nations earpiece to translate what they're saying half the time, but, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, you know, just, you know, for, 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 for stat nerds everywhere. Yeah. Like that's like the promised land. It's like sitting there and just like, Oh my God, give me all the data. Right. I'll be quiet. I'll just sit in the back. You won't even know I'm there. Just, you know, I'll just, I just want to, I just want to take it all in and then hear what's going on and just, yeah, just to, just to hear the discussions they have it must be, it must be so, you know, it, it must be incredible. And I mean, I'm waxing poetic about, you know, talking about, uh, you know, baseball analyses, but uh, it, it really is. It, it's so much fun to, to, to dig into. And I know you're, you're a big proponent of that too. So it's something that I think we both share the love in. Yeah, dude, we, we dream in line drives. That's what we do. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I think I'm, I know we hit all our bases plus some today. Um, Matt at MB M Brownstein 89 on Twitter. Is that right? That's right. That's I right. I didn't even have to check this time. How about that? You're good, man. You're good. <laughs> um, you, I know you just had the Colin Holderman interview come out, which Holderman's had a terrific spring. Uh, everyone go check that out. Anything else cooking on your end? Yeah. So I uh, have to transcribe the Colin Hold- Holderman one. I just interviewed yesterday. He was a, a fun interview. And then I'm working on a bigger project, actually. Um, I, it's the 30th anniversary of the release of the great baseball film, A League of Their Own, um, directed by Penny Marshall. So I have already actually uh, interviewed several of the actresses from that film um, also interviewed one of the uh, former um, AAG PBL players, May- uh, Maybell Blair, who played, I believe in 1948 um, uh, with one of the teams and um, doing a big kind of retrospective piece on uh, a league of their own, what the movie meant, uh, get some insight from the actresses. I've already spoken to uh, Megan Cavanaugh, who played Marla Hooch uh, nice. spoke to Tracy Reiner, who's actually the daughter of Penny Marshall, who played Betty Spaghetti. Um, okay. And I'm also going to talk to Wait, Ann that was Hughes. Penny Marshall's daughter. Yes, that's you Penny learn Marshall's something daughter. every day. Tracy Reiner. Yeah, so she took Reiner. She took Rob uh, Rob Reiner's last name. He had, he was that was her adopted father. I'm uh, not adopted father. Adopted stepfather. Excuse me. Yeah. And um and speaking to Ann Cusack, who is like the one of the sister- saddest. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. It's like one of the saddest scenes of my childhood, and in, in any film was Betty Spaghetti finding out about her husband. Yes. Oh, that was rough. And we had a big, we had a big, Tracy and I had a big discussion on that. And that was, uh, yeah, that was a tough scene. I think that was, that was, that was actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, she said that was one of the first scenes shot in the film. So wow. imagine having that as like the, uh, the first scene to be shit to, or one of the first scenes to shoot. Um, and then yeah, Ann, Ann Cusack, who's the sister of Joan and John Cusack, uh, who played uh, Shirley Baker, who is the illiterate uh, player on the team um, speaking to her tomorrow. So yeah, trying to get, hopefully get a, a couple more actors from the film and just kind of just putting out a nice big retrospective and giving some fans some insight into, uh, you know, what I think is still the highest grossing baseball film of all time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll have that out probably in another month or two, just kind of compiling all that together. So, uh, uh, should be fun. I, I really, I mean, I love doing, I'm a big movie buff, so I love anytime I can do stuff related to film. Um, it's like my second passion. So it's, uh, and, and I can combine baseball with film. That's like the, you know, icing on the cake. Well, I'm a dude, I'm on Long Island and 
you know, six, six degrees of separation is pretty much what Long Island's all about. I'm sure I could put the flag up and get you like Rosie O'Donnell or something. Someone's got to know her. It's not that big of an island. Man, I have, you know, it's funny. I've been trying to get Rosie. Um, I, I've reached out to several people. I try to reach out to our management. No, no luck yet. But if, if anybody's listening that knows Rosie or if Rosie, you're listening, please DM me. I, I would love to just talk to you about <laughs> League of Their Own. Um, I, you know, I heard you were one of the best. Uh, the two names I always hear were the best athletes on that, on that set were Lori Petty, who played Kit, and Rosie O'Donnell. Those are the two that I keep getting that I keep hearing about. So awesome. uh, I would love to talk to her. But yeah, um, so that's that's what I got cooking. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm definitely I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to reading Holderman once it's ready. And uh, and yeah, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This is always such a blast. Tim, anytime, man. I always love talking baseball with you, man. It's always a blast. So I'm, I'm happy to come on anytime. Excellent. We'll have to do this again very soon, man. All right, everybody. Well, you know where to uh, where to find us. We will uh, we'll be back. I think we're going to be back on opening day, a little opening day special. And yeah, you guys know the sign off. Let's fucking go Mets. And it's for real this time. Let's go. We'll see you next time. Peace.